make us more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. These, one, these of you that are up here worshiping, you, you can stay here. Don't ever, don't ever let uh, routine get in the way of your presence, your time with God. Uh, I'm going to ask the kids to come up. If you're in kindergarten all the way through college, if you're a teacher, I want you to come up as well. We want to pray over you as a church, as a leadership of this church. We want, we want to pray a blessing upon you. Pastor Jack, I believe you were wanting to do something. Were you wanting to do something as well? Praise the Lord. We're going to pray over Adriana, first of all, because we're going to release you to leave the house and go to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. That's where you're going? No, 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 no. Not, you're not going to Cleveland. You're going to Hamilton, Alabama. Don't get on my bus. <laughs> Don't get on my bus, honey. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can you just stretch forth your hands, first of all? towards? We're going to do this. Brother Rusty's going to do the kids. I want to do a special prayer for Adriana. She's living and leaving. And uh, you know that Brother Mike uh, left. He's in Germany right now. And he'll be gone for six weeks. And he'll be back for just a little while. And then they're going to move to Cleveland. And uh, that's been a change that, uh, you know, it's, it's change is never easy. It's never even really desired or wanted. You know, if we, if we had our way, we would be here till Jesus comes no matter how old we got, right? And because we love one another. So the point is, though, is, uh, you know, of course, it was, it's difficult leaving, losing Pastor Mike or lo- when I say losing him, for people to go out. Uh, it's difficult to release people. Because we love them, we hold on to them, we attach them. But I spoke to you last week where it said the Holy Spirit, as they ministered to the Lord and as they fasted, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Ghost spoke and the Holy Ghost said, separate me. I mean, well, God's in charge. Right. Because he bought us for his purposes. Right. He said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've chosen for them. And, he, and then they laid hands on them, they fasted and prayed and sent them out with a blessing. And that's what we're going to do today with these kids. But I want to pray over Adriana. And uh, even though I want to, before I say that, I want to say I want to appreciate everybody. There's been lots of people come to me. How are you doing, Pastor Jack? I mean, what, you know, are you going to be okay? Sure, it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be okay because God's in charge of the church. And we've, right. been, we've been looking forward to this for a couple of years, actually, not knowing how it was going to transition, what God was going to do. But uh, it's really his church. It's really his plan. And that's what we're doing. If you want to do anything to help us. Uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for all your support, all of your prayers. And everybody said, if there's anything we can do, visit the sick, which I think is wonderful. Because I don't think we hire people to be professional ministers. I think we are called to minister. There are certain people that, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, elders. They're supposed to watch over the flock and minister, and I understand that. Uh, but I, and I appreciate so much all the words of encouragement, the prayers, the the offering of yourselves to the Lord, whatever the Lord would have you to do. We're really looking for God, saying, okay, God, in this move, how do you see this? What are we supposed to be doing? And we're praying to that end. If you want to do anything to help us, it would be to pray and fast. Why do we fast? To get our flesh out of the way so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Right. Because all of us got opinions, but God's got a will. And our opinions get in the way of His will. So we get, we fast to say no to the flesh and when you finally get conquered of that flesh you start to hear from the Holy Spirit so your desire is to just simply worship the Lord get in his presence and he'll speak and we've done that for these kids we'll continue to do it today so thank you for that continue to pray and uh, we're, we're seeking we've got lots of things in our mind and heart that we're moving towards and uh, you'll be seeing that as the time comes forward we'll give you the ideas as they come to us or the things to, as they come to us Father I want to pray for Sister Adriana right now
we want to thank God in heaven that you make a way where there is no way. And the Lord would say to you, Adriana, didn't I do that? <laughs> didn't I do that? In more than one arena. You didn't think you'd ever get to the place where you could be used. Because you have all your problems. And you were saying, and the devil was saying, there's no way. You were just lucky and trying to be saved. And God's saying, no, I saved you to send you out. As I have with all my people. Send you forth in the power of my might, not the power of your might. And so the Lord said, I, I've created ways where there was no way. And I've, I've shown my power and my might. And I'm still doing it. We'll continue to do it. God bless her. We thank God that she's been raised in this house. Godly Sunday school teachers praying, fasting, counseling, intercessors in the church. Uh, caring, uh, compassionate people that don't just come to church, but they are the church and they're just listening to the Holy Spirit and reaching out, giving a hug or a smile or a word of encouragement or just praying maybe in their privacy as the Holy Spirit puts a name on their heart, they begin to pray and we thank you God that we don't get here alone Hallelujah Hallelujah We don't get here alone Thank God that you made us need one another Lord bless Adriana she goes and let her find her place in you and let her find her confidence in you as she has already and uh, you've not asked her to achieve anything you've asked her to allow the Holy Spirit to to achieve in her life what you've designed for her to do she was in important before she was even saved or you wouldn't have came right. importance is not linked to what we do in the totality and of course God wants us to do his word not hear it only but you were important and valuable and loved amen extremely before you even knew you were going to be here. He's got a plan for you. The Lord bless her. And Lord keep her. The Lord deliver her. God calls her to be used. Cause those gifts to grow. And Lord when she comes back here. Let those gifts come back to be fruitful here as well. Lord because we want to plant where we've been sown. Where, we, where we've been sown into. We want to be able to plant as well. Bless her now in Jesus name. We bless her. We anoint her uh, with our hands Lord. If uh, Adrian if you just come up here real quickly. If you can. And his brother Ron here. Brother Ron, would you come up? And, uh, and the rest of you, there's a lot, some ministers here. Would you come up? We're going to lay hands on her, Brother Ron, Mike, and, and I, or Pastor uh, Rusty and myself. And uh, there's ministers in the house, Brother Woodson. Uh, 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 it's not Woodson. I always call you. Is it Woodson, Brother Bill? Your, your name's not Woodson. What's his name? In my mind, is it Woodson, Jack? Wolverton. I always call him Woodson. I know it's wrong. So thank you. I know I'm wrong. It's Brother Wolverton. And his wife pastors from the four square for 40 years. Just like for you to stretch forth your hand, pray from where you're at. And let's pray for God's anointing. You that, you that feel special, just reach out to her and let's pray in Jesus' name. We're going to do the same thing with our kids. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just stretch forth our hands, we stretch forth our faith. And we claim the blessings of God will continue and we declare upon her, Lord, that doors will open and she will, you're going for training, but training for reigning in the name of Jesus. We are going to sit at your feet, Holy Spirit. Let her sit at your feet and learn. And God said, you're not only going to learn, but you're going to learn to burn because I need some fire in the house of God and I need to send some fire, some fire blazers in Jesus' name. Let her be on fire for God and let her bring the fire, Lord. Everywhere she goes, it's not her fire, it's your fire. Use her, Lord. Let her humble herself. Say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell me, Lord, where would I be? In Jesus' name. Brother Ron, Brother Mike, either one of you, or Rusty, you got anything to say? 
Okay. I have a scripture to read over, over all of them. The Lord bless you. Okay. Go on down there. We love you, Sister Adriana. We're going to miss you while you're gone, but we're going to be blessing you and praying for you while you are gone, as we are all the kids that are here, people that go to college. We want you to know we don't ever forget you. We never let go of you. We're praying for you. Remember where you grew. Amen. I've got one. <laughs> uh, Philippians chapter 4. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Uh, verses 6 and 7, it says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has already done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I know that we're, it's always one of those things that you worry about going back to school. Every year, dang it. <laughs> There's something stirring in the spirit for this generation. And I don't know what it is because I've seen Satan try to attack the seed more than I've ever seen before in my lifetime. Now, granted, I know there's been lots of things going on, but in my lifetime and the time that I've, I've been in youth ministry, I've seen him begin to attack the seed. And I've got a message somewhere. It's just not developed yet. But God's put it in my heart for the seed of a generation. And I believe the enemy is trying to attack this seed because of what's going to happen. Because if you can kill the seed, you can kill the fruit. And so I ask you to stretch forth your hands on these young people. Father, we thank you and we praise you today, dear God. Lord, that you're guarding them. Lord, that you're putting a hedge of protection around them. Father, I pray that this year as they go back and they go into their schools and in their communities, Lord, that they would be able to walk with authority, they'd be able to walk with power and might, oh God. And I pray, Lord, as they keep themselves in you, oh Lord, that the peace that comes or that they'd be able to walk in a new level of anointing, oh God, a new level, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, of boldness, because you have went before them. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you, oh God, Lord, are setting in bushments against the enemy to stop him from every plan that he has. Father, we praise you and we thank you for a mighty generation of worshiping warriors. And Father, we look forward to the fruit that comes out of this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, junior high, I believe you're going down with Tracy today. High school, you're stuck with me yet again. And all those that are in grade school, you, you guys can go ahead and be released. I'm, I'm just letting the, the Sunday school teachers know, remember it's me preaching today. And uh, it will probably be pretty quick. <clears throat> Now I've got raindrops on my notes and on my Bible. It <laughs> um, <laughs> just got kind of some transition as they're working out. Uh, last week, uh, we've been announcing for a couple of weeks in the, in the bulletin and things like that, that we are, uh, first time I've really ever done that, or done this uh, in youth ministries, I, I, I said, hey. We're canceling all the things that we've got, and we're, we're going to focus on 10 weeks. We're going to try and do 10, a 10-week 10 series, uh, a building process uh, of relationship goals. Yeah. And really, it's, it's going through the Ten Commandments, but understanding God's heart behind it, that it's not a list of rules of do's and don'ts, but really, what's the heart behind why you're doing what you're doing? Because they came out of 430 years of slavery. 
They were immersed in a, in a culture, in, a, in, a, in an area that knew no God. I mean, they had gods, but they didn't know God. And so uh, he was, uh, we're going through those things. And I told him last week, I said, hey, I said, just to let you know, it's only a 10-week series, but we've only got 21 le- weeks left in the year. We might not even make it, knowing the way our church operates. And I said, so this 10-week series could be like a half a year. Who knows? Um, and so week two, I'm preaching, and we're not doing our series. So, uh, but I'm excited about it. I know that God's got uh, <clears throat> something in store. He's already done some amazing things. And um, we, we've got some things going, and I was... Um, I run into a lot of people. I'm, I'm in, in a lot of different um, circles, I guess, if, if you would call it, um, in the community, doing lots of different things, not just staying in one office or anything like that. I'm, just, I'm involved in a lot of different areas, so I run into a, a lot of different people. And I always hear guys, you know, like saying, hey, what's up? Or I hear like, uh, how, how you doing, man? And they're like, oh, living the life, living the dream. Anybody heard those things, you know? And I'm going to be real honest, this, I'm getting ready to show this clip, so Skip, if you can get that ready, you probably already got it ready. Every time someone says this, I saw this probably 12, 15 years ago, and it hit, every time someone says what's up or how you living, this is what goes through my mind, and I apologize. <laughs> Hello. What's up, honey? Living the life, having some prune juice. Oh, oh. Hello. What's up? What's up? Hello. What's up? What's up? What is up? Hello. What's up? What's up? So what's up, G? Just living the life. Having some prune juice. True, true. <laughs> so it's one of those things. It's, it ruined me ever since I got it in a youth pastor's package a long time ago. And it's like stuck in my head. And the, there's so many different times I've used this thing to, to teach off of and stuff. But I'm guessing that that's probably not what people are saying when I'm like, what's up, living the life. When they say living the life, that's probably not what they're talking about, right? <laughs> Um, and then I know there's all kinds of lives. There's the rock star life and the, and the gangster life and thug life and all those different things. And most of the people that I run into, I don't know what that means. I'm just living the life. That says nothing to me because I have so many different descriptions or, or, or uh, definitions of living the life. And, uh, you know, here, resurrection life, Right? It should mean something different. Maybe an abundant life is what we should be talking about. And so I want to talk to you today about living the life. And hopefully I have just burned that in your mind as it has been burnt in mine. Um, but I was going through those things and I was thinking through them. And I was realizing that, you know, so many people come from different uh, backgrounds, from different um, cultures, from different uh, economic groups and all those different things. And so, like I said earlier, that can mean something different to just about every single person that you talk to. And 
I realized that sometimes we just get in a routine or we just get in a, a habit or whatever of just saying things. And I've talked about this before, you know, some people are saying, well, at least, you know, I'm above ground today. Or, you know, everyone's got different sayings. And I think it's because probably 90% of us are socially awkward and we don't know what to say anyway. So we just come up with a cliche saying so that maybe they'll leave us alone. Because <laughs> you know? if we really told them how we're doing, it would make them feel really awkward, right? Because when I go into Casey's some morning, you, you know, the, the arthritis and stuff in my ankles is killing me that day. And they're like, how are you doing today? I'm like, I can barely walk today. I don't, you know, and if I just went into what I'm really feeling, and I'm like, I'm straight on the top of my, uh, my journal here. Uh, it's got over here, it says state of mind. Now, if I went through here and showed you some of my state of minds, you might be shocked. <laughs> and if I let people at Casey's know my state of mind, they'd probably just sit there and be like, uh, your iced tea's free today. Just please go, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know how to handle that. I don't know what to do. Uh, I've got a couple of friends of mine, personal friends of mine that are young, that have just lost uh, husbands and wives and children. And, and, you, and you realize the, the stress and the um, despair that, that, that people are going through. And, and in some situations, almost hopeless. Like uh, the, a friend of mine that, that I know, he's, he's dealing with the loss of a spouse and trying to redevelop him. So he's not, he's not old. He's in his 40s, you know, and he's trying to understand who am I now that I don't have my spouse. And he's really struggling through some things. And, and I wonder, you know... I could probably ask someone sometime that's in that situation, say, hey, how are you doing today? What's their response? They don't even know how to respond. You know, maybe they just try to throw it off like living the life. Well, what's that mean? And I was really struggling with it because as I was, as I was going through uh, studying for this, uh, not, I wasn't studying for this message. This just kind of came out of some other studies that I was doing. And I got stuck on, on, on some things because... I'm at the place uh, in my life that I've been in church long enough. I'm, I'm going to try and do set up. I'm not a real good multitasker, so if I stop talking, that means I'm trying to do something else. Um, but I'm at the stage in my life where I've been in church uh, for a long time. Um, and it just, it seems like there's got to be more. I'm not a real good multitasker, so if yes, I stop talking, that right. means I'm trying to do something else. Um, how, many, how many of you are at that place where maybe you've been in something, whatever it means, whether it's a job, whether it's your family, whether it's a relationship, whether it's the church, that you've been in it for so long that you're kind of at that place where you, you almost feel like you're still trying to redefine it. Like, what is it? There's got to be something more than where I'm at than what I'm doing and going through those different things. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know, I know I'm a youth pastor and a lot of people know I'm a youth pastor. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, I, because I said earlier, I'm in so many things, there's a lot of people that have no clue what I do. Some people see me pulling a mowing trailer, and they think I mow grass for a living. Some people see me at the gym, and they, and they see me wearing a, a coach's shirt, and they think I'm a coach. They'll see me at JFL, and they think, oh, I'm, I'm in, in part of the, the school. And last year, I taught at DCS and, as a Bible teacher, and they think, oh, well, he's a teacher. So depending on who you ask on what circle I am, depends on what I am. I have multiple personalities. <laughs> and you're all sitting here listening to me. That's really funny. Um, you know, but I was thinking about these things, and I'm like, God, there's just got to be something more. 
there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing. And don't worry, I'm not at a crisis of belief or anything like that. Um, but I'm just at that place where I'm like, God, I know that you came. You know, John 10.10 10 says that he came to give us life and life that much more abundant. Now, that doesn't mean more things. And I think one of the things that we struggle with, especially in this America, is that, that, we, that we relate things to blessings of God and we, we think we're living the abundant life. But that's not it at all. He said, I've come to give you life. Things don't equal life. And, you know, he is life, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and so if, if he's talking about I've come that you might have life, life is found in him. Therefore, the only way to find abundant life is in him. Now, God can bless you with things, but the things aren't the abundance. Now, in the world, you know, you've got these two different worlds going on. And in the world, that looks like abundance. And in the world, it looks like, man, that guy's doing great. But, you know, I know lots of people that have tons of stuff, but their lives are a wreck. And they're struggling, and they're searching, and they're going through these things, and... Um, I have no um, like three-point series to give to you today. I just want to talk to you out of my heart, out of my thoughts, all right? So uh, I don't know if you call this, uh, uh, what do you call those things on? A blog. I don't know if this is a blog today or a sermon. Um, but if you turn in your Bibles i got to get this pencil to stay in one place. Um, there's a couple things I was thinking about, you know, that tie into, um, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundant. Because in First John, I'm not telling you, I didn't tell you where to turn yet, did I? Uh, go, to, go to Matthew chapter 7. I'll give, you, I'll give you all of them. How's that? You can turn to whichever ones you want. Matthew chapter 7, Colossians chapter 3, and Exodus 33. Now, I started out with 17 scriptures. And I narrowed it down to that. So you, you got to understand that sometimes the hardest part of preaching a message yeah. is cutting it down to what do you need for right then. Yeah. You know, because as you get into it, you start, uh, you start studying and start, God starts unloading some things. And, you know, in John 10, 10, I already said this. It said that I've come that you might have life more abundant. In 1 John chapter 2, he says, uh, love not the world or the things in the world or the love of the Father is not in you. Now that one messes you up because that means you're not supposed to enjoy trucks and boats and, well, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to enjoy them. It just means you're not supposed to love them. And I have a hard time with cars because Cooper and I play this little game when we're driving. Uh, now, I drive a 94 Suburban, okay? It's awesome. Its name is Big Blue, okay? <laughs> one, because it's big. Two, because it's blue. We're, we're, we get real creative with our names. Um, and so we drive Big Blue, and it's, it's, it's a great truck. I love it. And uh, so we're driving, and, and me and Cooper will play this game. He's like, Dad, let's play the trade-up game. And I'm like, okay. And, and it was like, I didn't know what the trade-up game was the first time he told me. So he tells me what the trade-up game is. The trade-up game is, is anytime you're on a road and you see another car coming at you or going in the same direction, if you like it better than the, the car that you're in, you can trade up for it. <laughs> 11-year-old mind, Okay. <laughs> 48-year-old mind, I have fun with that game, right? Because the other, the other day, we, we were up in Chicago area, and in my mind, I was driving that white Lamborghini that drove by, right? And I was like, this is fun, right? Um, 
But he, he keeps trading up and he does all these different things and he goes, he goes through these things. And, and you know, the, the point is, is, if I'm not careful, I can begin to covet those things. And I got to the place the other day where I was on the internet and this little pop-up came up and it said, design your own suburban. Now, I like suburbans. I like big vehicles. And uh, I was like, cool, I'll design my own suburban. $79,980 later, reality hit. $894 payment a month after $7,411 down, I could lease it for four years and still never own it. I was like, okay, I'll keep driving Big Blue. I like Big Blue. Uh, Big Blue doesn't cost me anything but about $100 a week in gas. Uh, so we're praying for, for a miracle, a four-cylinder with eight-cylinder power in, in, in the Suburban. But you can go through those things, and you can, you can live in a, in a fairy tale world. And sometimes that's what happens. People get living in, in realities and trying to fill their, their life with things that aren't even realistic, trying to escape their reality. But as Christians, there should be something that's different. We should be something different. And, and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says to come out from among them. We are not supposed to be walking around in life looking, acting, everything like the world. There is supposed to be something different about us. Now, you know, I, I know there's lots of people now taking uh, cre creative license with their hair and tattoos and, and earrings and all that stuff. And I'm not preaching about any of that stuff. You can walk by some people and they look different, right, because of things that they've done themselves, you know. And, uh, you, you know, you can see them expressing themselves, and they're, and they're crying out, look at me, I'm different. I'm trying not to fit into the world. But why is it as Christians we stop trying to live out loud? You know, I try to be a nice person. You, you know, a lot of people probably that you'll run into in this community that know me, I hope anyway, would probably say that I'm a nice guy. But you know what? Christ didn't die for me to be a nice guy. Now, the love of Christ helps me be a nice guy because before Christ, I wasn't a nice guy, right? Um, you can look at some of my background and realize that. Um, there, there's evidence that I was not a nice guy before that. And one of the things that helped me, um, did I give you Matthew chapter 7? Okay, we'll go ahead and read that one. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, when, when I was trying to turn, uh, you know, when I thought I was turning my life around, right, even though God was the one doing it, you know, I was trying to make decisions and do things, and this is one of the things that helped me. Uh, it was Matthew chapter 7. My parents gave me a gold coin, and on it, it had this scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and I didn't turn, turn to it in mind because I've got my spot picked, um, but it, it, it's, it's the wide gate and the narrow, narrow gate. Uh, can you turn that to NLT? please. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. I the reason I like this one is in the King James, it both refers to him as a gate. Now, I'm a mental person, not that kind of mental. I'm a visual person. There we go. I'm a visual person, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a visual person, and so when I see gate, I see a cute little gate. Now, when it refers to a narrow gate and a broad gate in the King James, 
I basically see the same gate in my mind. And so the NLT, I like because it says you can only enter, the, the, uh, enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. Now, I see that same little narrow gate on grandma's fence or whatever, you know, a little three-foot gate. But it says the highway to hell is broad. Now, that paints a much bit better picture for me. Okay? And it says, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. Go into verse 14. Lots of people traveling the highway. But the gateway to life, right, back to the word life, is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, we know that scripture. We've heard that scripture. And I don't know what God's definition of few is, but when I think about the the multitudes of people that he's created and given life to, even if there's half the world that makes it to heaven, to him, that's a few because he created so many more. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I I think sometimes if we look at that wrong, we'll look and say, well, there's only a few people that make it anyway, so I'm not going to try. You know, uh, my daughter was trying out for a softball team uh, in, in Springfield, and there was over 40 girls that tried out for the team, and there was only two spots available. Now, the week before, and, and, and two, they have softball lingo here, 10U, 12U, 14U, okay? They had 300 girls trying out for 36 positions. So that's a few. You know, it'd be real easy to step into that situation and say, well, they're only taken two, and there's 40 of us here, probably not going to make it. But when we're talking about God, God said, look, I've come that everyone might have life. There's not anyone that should miss it. Everyone can have life. And he said, I came that you can have it more abundant. That life that he's talking about should look different than those that don't have life. You understand what I'm saying? The life that is in Jesus Christ is different than the life that is without Jesus Christ. Yes, we both breathe air. Yes, we both drink water. Yes, we both eat food. But there's something that happens in the life with Jesus that doesn't happen in the life of those that don't know Jesus. And there should be something different. It should be evident. There should be something very evident. And I, and I wonder about those things. And so, you know, I'm going through all those things. And my mind is going through those things. And I'm thinking about those things. And so uh, when, when I, I was about 21, I think it was, uh, when my parents gave me that coin, I was really struggling. I was really going back and forth. I knew the truth. I knew what I was supposed to do. But I loved the world. And I was going back and forth. And I was trying to make the decision, am I going to sell out for Christ, or am I going to just give up everything that I've seen God do in my life and just go with all the, all the, the wishes of my, of my flesh? And my parents gave me this coin, and they told, asked me to carry that coin everywhere that I went. And uh, anytime that I was being tempted or anything like that, to just grab hold of that coin and be reminded that there's a wide gate and narrow gate, but you got to choose which one you walk through. He came and opened the gate for anyone that wants to come in, but you just have to go through the way that he said right? And uh, so, and that, that helped me a lot. There were a lot of days that I chose not to carry the coin because I didn't want to be reminded. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Anybody been, been in that boat, right? Um, and so I was going through these things and I, I, I thought of these things because let me, that's why you need an outline so you can keep track of where, where you're going. Um, but I was thinking about the Colossians chapter 3. And, and again, I'm going, to read the, I'm going to read it out of a different version. I apologize, I'm jumping around versions. But I like being able to read something and it jump off the page to me. Um, and unfortunately, I have to read lots of different versions to get that. Um, I get confused on a lot of them. I'm, I'm a very simple man. 
uh, when it comes to those things. And so I understand a lot of what they've done because I, I've got so many years in the church and I've heard people preach on them and stuff. But I like to read them. And the other thing is I teach junior high and high school. So I like to come up with ways that they're going to be able to understand. And I found out that even though I'm 48, I've still got the mentality of about a 12-year-old. Um, because I get excited about scatterball just as much as they do. But my 48-year-old body doesn't move like theirs. So I play ref. Um, so are you there? Colossians chapter 3. Did I tell you to go there? Yeah. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read it out of the message. Okay. So just kind of read along with it and see, see the difference here. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert for what is going on around Christ. Not around you, around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from a different perspective. I love that because there's so much in that one scripture. Because, see, a lot, a lot of us get in routines. Um, Dorothy Guffey, uh, many of you know her, she used to tell me this a long time ago when I was trying to find a house. She took me to a bunch of different houses to look at. And she said, you know what you need to do? She said, we get in such a hurry that we figure out what the fastest way around town is and stuff. And we just stay on that fastest route. But she said, you never see what else is happening in town. And she said, pick a different way home all the time so you can see what's happening around the city. And so I do that all the time now. I drive all kinds of different places. My kids all the time tell me, Dad, that's not how you get there. And I'm like, trust me, we'll get there one way or another. I like Sometimes I just pick roads I don't know just to see where they go. Now, I know that's weird to some people, but how do you ever know what's out there if you never see it? And it really uh, came alive to me when my grandma was in the nursing home when we were here. She got... She got in the place, and she just lived up on Garfield, so she, most of the time, the only place she went was DMH and Walmart. So she basically just saw 51 north and south to, to Garfield Street. And uh, I remember I took her, I can't remember where we were going or what we were doing, but I took her, and we were on the south side of town, the, the southwest side of town, and there was, I don't remember what it was, a gas station or a Dollar General, because they're like on every corner. And whatever, these things are popping up. She goes, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was going on. Because she had never even been on that side of town for years. Yeah. Completely missing it out, missing out on it. How, I, wonder, I wonder this question all the time. How many treasures does God have out there for me, but because I won't get off my path, I can't find them? I get stuck in my way, and I won't listen to that little prompting. And I'm like, no, I'm in a hurry. No, I'm, I'm doing this. And so I just those are just things that rattle around in my brain. And uh, in, that, in that verse, it says to pursue, basically, to look up, to focus, change your perspective. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on your perspective? Are you focusing on your circumstances, the things that you're involved with right now? Are you seeing them from the new life that you're supposed to be living in, in the resurrection life? We're called resurrection life. Are we walking in resurrection or are we just walking in life? There needs to be something different. Now, I, I don't think it's just a cool name that Pastor Jack came up with. I think, that, I think that that was a vision for the house. And I truly believe this. I don't know if it's prophetic or if it's in my spirit or whatever. But I truly believe that God has called this house to be different than any other church in Decatur. We're not called, you know, I, I think it's funny that, that most of the time people ask us when our service times are. And it's like 
There's no end time. Now, most people say, well, it's 930 to 1130, right? Depending on which pastor's up here, all right? But a lot of times, it even depends on, on what happens in the service. I mean, there's some people that'll leave at 11 o'clock, and there's some people that'll leave at 12 or 12.30 because of what God's doing at the, at the altars or, or in the chairs and the conversations that we're having. This house is called to be different. I don't know how many prophecies I've heard in the 30-some in the years that I've been in this church. Well, 40 now. Oh, Lord, I'm getting old. Um, that, that this house is set on a hill, and it's meant to be a light, and it's supposed to be a beacon to the, to the, to the city. And that requires us. Doing our part, being light and life outside of the four walls of this church. And I, I want to end my scripture here, or, or in my, not my message, but in my scripture verses in Exodus. Um, and I've got a couple things here. And we're going to do things different. I thought it was great that Pastor Jack started off the service and said we're going to do things different. Because that's really kind of the way the service is. It's different. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a video that's a song, actually, and it's got all the lyrics to it because some people are like, well, I didn't know what they were saying. Well, hopefully you can read and hear at the same time, you know, and that's going to be playing. And it's not the altar call. I just want you to reflect on it when it comes. Okay? I just want you to be thinking about it, listening to it, reading it. What's it, what's it saying to you? Then I'm going to make kind of an altar call, and then we'll play it again, and, and we can respond to the altar call that way, and then the worship team will come up. So we're not going to have live worship for the altar call or for the, the response time. We're going to do things a little bit different. Did I tell you where to go? Exodus 33? All right. Squirrel. Squirrel 3.0. Uh, I can preach a squirrel message every week of my life. Exodus chapter 33. Now, you got to understand, most of you already know this. If you've been in here, this isn't a new scripture to anybody, uh, probably, if you've been in church very long. This is Moses. This is after they've come out of captivity this is, you know, a million and a half people came out of captivity. They've been stuck in bondage and slavery to Egypt for 430 years. They haven't really seen God do any miraculous signs or wonders in, uh, with them. And, and Moses brings them out. This is after the burning bushes. This is after the plagues. And this is when, God, or when Moses is trying to, to hear God and, and get direction. And, and it said that he would go up to the top of the mountain. And when he would go up to the top of the mountain and get into the tent of meeting, it said that there would be a cloud that would come down on top of the mountain, and that was on top of the mountain, and that was the presence of God coming down. And the people would be in the doorways of their tents, and they could see the presence of God coming down to meet with Moses. Okay, and, and there's lots and lots of scriptures, and I'm not going to take time to read all of them. But if you want some homework, go read those scriptures because they're amazing. The 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 they're, it's just fascinating. And at one time it says that. that it looked like the mountain was on fire, and there was thunder and lightning, and the earth was quaking, and said so the people were afraid because of the power and the presence of God that was on that place. But Moses would go into that place. In one scripture, it says that Moses, when he went into the tent of meeting, it said that, that he would talk with God like man talks face to face with a friend. Now, why did Moses, a man who had murdered another man, a man who didn't grow up in the heritage of the church, why was he able to see the things of God that we just talk about thousands of years later? I truly believe it's because he got in the presence of God. See, because all the other Israelites, Moses tried to invite them up to the mountain, if you read through there, and they said, no, 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 we'll stay here and listen to what God tells you, but you go talk to God. 
So they never had a personal encounter with God. They only had their relationship with God through Moses. How many Christians in America are having a relationship with God through the pastor of the church because we're not busy enough or di disciplined enough to listen and get in the presence of God for ourselves? Why is it that Christian counselors are overwhelmed trying to give godly counsel that's in the book that we can all read? We've got to get disciplined, guys. Now, I brought this out for fun because this is my, this is my CrossFit bag. Okay, now I know I don't look like a CrossFit athlete, but I've been doing CrossFit for seven years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what you look like after seven years of CrossFit. <laughs> if you don't know what CrossFit is, go research it because they just, did, they just had the CrossFit Games. The fittest uh, athletes in the world, they hold a competition in February, it's worldwide. Over 100, if I remember right, I think it was over 100,000 people tried out for the CrossFit Games online. And they bring it down to basically where the top 30 or 40 people in the world compete together. And they do all kinds of crazy stuff, lift crazy weights and run miles and swim and all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're doing all these things and, and, and they, they don't, they look like superhuman people. Like they look like people that should be drawings instead of real life living, breathing people. Like, some of them have muscles I didn't even know existed, you know? And, and I love the human body. I studied anatomy and stuff, and they've got all these different things, and they're doing stuff. You know, I have a, a coach at my gym. His name is Casey, who uh, he is what they call a, a, oh, I forgot the name of it. Doesn't matter. Uh, he, was, he, he only has part of his left arm, adaptive. He's an adaptive athlete. I've watched Casey do stuff that I can't do with all four limbs, and he's only got three. And he's figured out how to do stuff, and he can pull himself up with one arm, and he can, he can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm like, that should not be possible. But he figured out a way to do it because he's, he's not held into a box. And so I've got all these different things. Where's the, where's the rest of my fun stuff? Now, you've got to have cool CrossFit shoes. I mean, if you're going to do CrossFit, you've got to have the right shoes. And if you're going to do CrossFit, you got to have a CrossFit shirt. It says CrossFit. And just so I can separate myself from everybody else, it says coach. <laughs> now, I tell people all the time, just because I'm your coach doesn't mean I can do anything I'm telling you to do. It just means I can tell you what to do. <laughs> and so, you know, one of the major things in CrossFit is you have to be able to jump a rope because that's cool, Right? For a 48-year-old man that weighs well over 200 pounds, jumping this tiny little rope is one of the most frustrating things I ever do in CrossFit. I can squat almost 500 pounds, I can deadlift over 500 pounds, but I can't jump a quarter-inch rope. Like, what is that? You have to have no physical gifting whatsoever to go... Right? Most of you didn't even know I just moved. Right? So, you know, what I did is I got into CrossFit because, for those that might not know, I had a heart attack uh, in 2008. And I thought I was healthy because I could do a couple push-ups and a couple sit-ups. And I thought, well, hey, that's not bad. I'm getting ready to be 40. I can still do those things, right? And I was still standing up. I was still breathing. I'm like, I'm doing good. 
I'm living life. Whoops, life just about left me, right? I better do something to, to save this life. So I had to do something different. And they put me on the American Heart Association diet, and I'm not against the American Heart Association diet at all. I'm just saying that did not work for me. I gained 16 pounds uh, in, in the first, I think it was six weeks after my heart attack. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, following the diet you gave me. I'm not drinking milk. I'm not eating bacon. I'm eating fake eggs. <laughs> I cut out my Fruit Loops. <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> I'm eating soy peanut butter. <laughs> Why this name even butter, you know? And start drinking almond milk. How do you get milk out of an almond? Like, don't even make sense. And my cholesterol got worse and my blood pressure got worse. And they're like, you're doing something wrong. I'm like, I don't know. And, and so my sister, because she's sadistic, my sister-in-law, I don't have a sister, my sister-in-law, Sarah, said, hey, I know you almost died nine months ago. Go try CrossFit. Because that's the logical thing to do when you've had a heart attack. Go physically exercise so hard that you can't breathe, and you lay on the floor and see if you survive. <laughs> so she did, and I watched these people walking in like Casey, and the first several weeks that I was in class, I think her name was Ann. She was in her 60s, white hair and, and, and older than me. Literally beat me every single workout we went to unless it required me lifting weights. She would outrun me. She could jump a rope. And I'm like, how is that possible? So I thought, that's because I don't have the right stuff, right? I got to have the stuff that makes me do it better because these all have supernatural powers, right? And and these here, these are called, these are uh, shin guards because you jump on these boxes and if you miss a box, you lose skin. And so I'll get shin guards. And then they said, here, Here's a 15-foot rope. See if you can get up that rope. I'm 40s, 200 and some pounds. I'm not supposed to climb a rope. So I got these so I didn't lose more skin. And then because of all the new exercises, I hurt everywhere. So they said, go get a soft double ball and lay on it. Because you got to do all this stuff and, and move your muscles and, and break up the microfascia and all this crazy stuff. I'm like, I need that because if my muscles aren't sore, then I can do the work. And so I bought that. And then I started noticing I'm getting older. I've got arthritis and stuff. And so I thought, well, I'll get these, these giant wristbands because they'll make me lift more weight. And so I put these wristbands on because I've got cysts from years of, of banging a hammer in my, in my wrists. And so if I can make this thing tight enough and, like, make my veins pop out so it looks like I'm, like I'm really in shape, right? Because right? everybody knows that people that have big veins, they're healthy, right? Is that just me? And so you put these things on so it doesn't hurt your wrist when it goes back. And so you put those on. And so you can lift weight overhead. You can do this crazy exercise called overhead squats and another one called an Olympic snatch where you're trying to take hundreds of pounds and catch it overhead, what? Why am I doing this stuff? Because I'm nuts, for one thing. And then I thought, well, I don't hang on a bar very well because I'm in my 40s and I'm over, over 200 pounds. So I'll get these really cool things that you put on your hands and you, and you put them on. 
and then you strap them on, and it helps you hold on to the bar, and you don't get, you, you don't get blisters and stuff on your hand. And so I walk in with, with my shirt and my shoes and my shin guards and my wrist straps, and I walk in with, with my, pull up, my uh, hand grips, and I've got all this stuff on. It didn't help me do CrossFit at all. <laughs> but isn't that what we do at church? Isn't that what we do in our own life with Christ? We try to go through all these things, and we try to get all these things that make us look better, but we really have done nothing to change. Because you know what I found out makes me better at CrossFit? Actually getting in the gym and doing CrossFit. You know, there's lots of times that I'll go in there and coach, and I'm telling people what to do, and I'm in the gym, but I haven't done anything to get better at CrossFit that day. I'm just in the gym. How many times do we come to church and we just get in church, but we don't engage in worship. We don't answer altar calls. We don't let the word that's being preached or the scriptures that are being preached sink into our spirit and actually penetrate and plant seed and break up fallow ground. How many times do we just go through the motion of going to church and the idea that we're going to be a better Christian? See, unfortunately, I think what's happened is many people today, obviously not you guys, right? Many people today, much of the church world today is just happy looking like a Christian, but not actually having anything, not having any power, not having anything that, that works. And so in Exodus 33, because I told you to go there like 37 minutes ago, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Exodus chapter 33, you guys thought I forgot about it. Exodus 33 verse 15, it says, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably upon me, uh, favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence am among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on earth. His presence, guys, is the only thing that can truly change us, getting in his presence. And that requires discipline. I can think about climbing a rope all day long. I can think about jumping a rope all day long. I can think about setting a new personal record in any lift that there is in CrossFit, but it never helps me actually do it. It's only when I get in the gym and do the discipline and set time apart and get in the presence of, they, they don't call it a gym, by the way, it's called a box because CrossFit's different right? And so you go into the box. The only way to get better at anything is putting in the time. And God's really been dealing with me in this because, I, you know, I'll mow the grass here at the church and I'll be listening to messages. I'll be listening to the Bible on tape and I'll spend lots of times listening to stuff, but I'm still not fully focused. Now, one of the things that's really funny about that rope, and I, I know I, I joked about that a lot, but a lot of times the reason that people miss is they, they lose focus. They're not paying attention to that tiny little rope. And they, they, they've lost focus. They're trying to breathe or they're looking up at the clock and they're not paying attention. And I wonder how many times do we get tripped up in our Christian life because we're not focused on what we're supposed to be doing. We get distracted by everything else that's going on around us. And we've lost focus in the time and presence with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want you to think about those things as we play this song. Because something needs to change. It needs to change in me. 
And I truly believe it needs to change in much of the church world today. Let me turn these lights off.
worship team to come up. We're, we're going to play this song again, but I want the worship team to be ready in, in case something happens up here at the altar. Here's what I love about this. It was fantastic that Moses heard from the burning bush. It was fantastic that, that God moved and he was able to lead a million and a half people out of Egypt. It was awesome that he got to climb the mountain and speak and be in the presence of God. But if he would have never came down the mountain, the mountain if he would have never be in the presence of if he would have never come down and relayed what God had, had instilled in him on top of the mountain, all that would have happened is a million and a half people probably would have died in the wilderness. It's not enough for us to go through our daily lives and just attend church. It's not enough for us to just download a new reading plan and a devotional and have our quiet time with God. That's not enough. Because Christ did come for each and every one of us, but it doesn't stop there. That's just where it starts. See, because when Moses came down from the mountain, it said that his face was so radiant that it shone like the sun, and he had to wrap his face up so that everyone knew that he, something was different. There was something that happened on that mountain that wasn't happening at the bottom of the mountain. It has nothing to do with going through hills and valleys. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is we need to get to a place where we're in the presence of God so that when we come out of our quiet places, when we come out of our alone time, the world can see that there's something different about us. That's my heart cry. I don't want people just to know that I'm a nice guy. I don't want people just to know that I do this or I do that. I want people to know that I've been in the presence of God. So that when we walk into the room, darkness trembles. So that when we walk into the room, sickness flees. So that when we walk through life, there's resurrection, fire, and power flowing through us into this world. It bothers me that we live in a county that's over 100,000 people and we can't even get 10% of them in church on a Sunday. And the churches have, and I'm not saying we haven't done anything, that's not what I'm saying. But it bothers me that we can be in that community for so long and the church has never grown. Yeah, we have other churches that have really grown bigger and everything, but the numbers are still the same. Guys, we have to let the love of Jesus flow out of us. I talk to tons of people about CrossFit. I, I talk to tons of people about Casey's crack cookie. Now, because it's so addictive to me, it's got caramel and chocolate chips and walnuts, and I love it. And I will tell people, what am I eating? Right? I have actually got people addicted to cookies. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but what bothers me is I sit back and I wonder, have I got more members joining CrossFit and going to Casey's to get cookies than I've brought into church? Or maybe, see, maybe it's not even getting in church. Have I impacted people's lives where they're at 
more than I've talked about a stupid cookie. I want to be like Moses. If you don't personally go with me, how is anyone going to know that there's a change? It's great that people know we go to church. That's great. But is there anything in the church that goes with us? Or are we just trying to hurry up and get through life? I'm going to use this time as an altar call. Maybe you've, maybe you've never accepted the resurrection life of Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe you were like me when I was in my early 20s, actually before that, that I came to church all the time. But there wasn't anything changing in my life. I was just going through the motions. I was just checking into the gym, so to say. It didn't really do anything when I got there. I just checked in. Today. Wherever you're at, will you take the time to ask Jesus to come and visit you? Will, the, will you ask the presence of God to come and fill you in this place today so that something in the atmosphere will change when we leave? We're called to be salt and light. We're called to make a difference. A really cool thing happened this past week when we were fishing. and I, I didn't share it with any of the guys that I know of. We were on the boat at 5 o'clock in the morning. We were out on the water, out on Lake Michigan. And it, that day that we went, it was a huge full moon, and it was, like, super bright. Like, you, you didn't, like, really need any light because there's so much light being reflected from the moon. You knew it was dark, but you could still, like, see everything, you know, and there was just so much light. And as we were going out, we, we could see the city getting farther and farther, and as we, as we were going out, you know, I'm a nature person, so I'm looking at the reflection of the moon on the water and all these different things, and I'm looking at how dark the sky is around the moon, and, and the moon is just bright, it's full, it's huge, and I'm, I'm just amazed by it, and so I'm just kind of looking out, looking to see what's happening, and literally, I'm, I'm looking at the moon o- over here, and literally, as I start coming across, all of a sudden, I notice that there's a place where the darkness stops, and then it begins to turn light blue, and there was no sun there. But as I turned a little bit farther to the east, all of a sudden now it was red and orange and yellow. So literally at one point when I'm looking, I can see the moon out of my peripheral and the sun out of my other peripheral. But the darkness literally stopped about halfway and it began to turn to light. No matter how dark your world is, when the presence of God comes in, the light of Jesus comes in, darkness has to flee. It cannot exist where Christ is at. So Skip, if you'll start that next song. Father, we just pray that right now, as every one of us take inventory, Lord, as we just look into our own lives and say, Lord, are we just going through the motions? Or Father, are we truly getting in your presence? God, I pray that now, as we play this song, Lord, that we would respond to you and that you would begin to move mightily and that you would do something supernatural in our lives. Father, I pray that every day of our life, God, that we would get in a place with you, God, that we would make time and we would separate ourselves out so that when we leave that place, the the world will be changed because of you in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
everything changes Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring And when you walk into the room Every heart starts burning Nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you
praise you. God, that you give us an open invitation, oh God, to come and be with you, to sit in your presence, oh God. Father, I thank you that you're a loving, heavenly Father. And God, I pray that as we end this service, technically, Lord, that you would continue, dear God, Lord, to touch our hearts and you continue to move upon us, oh God. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that as we leave this place today, that we would be beacons of light and beacons of power, of your power, oh God, impacting and changing our world for Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you guys are making your way out, I challenge you today before you leave, just ask God, God, how much time do you want? What time do you want? Pick out a time where you can carve out where it's just you and God with no distractions, no other things on your mind, a time when you can focus upon him and hear his heart. Moses would, have been in, would never have been able to lead the people if he didn't stop and listen to what God had to say. If he went up there thinking, man, I got, I got people that didn't have food, I got people that their tent fell down last night. If he would have been consumed in his mind when he went up to the mountain and not listened to the voice of God, he wouldn't have been able to lead the people out of the wilderness. So today, before you leave, I challenge you, find that time and make, it, make a time when you can meet with God. Also, I'd like to ask for a couple of volunteers, some guys probably, ladies could do it too. But Randy and Shelly have just a, a tarp that needs to be put up on the back of a kennel that they have in the back. And uh, there's a great big one up there just has to take it down. It probably won't take 30 minutes to do the whole thing. And uh, I told them last week I tried to get somebody over to do that. I went over by myself but didn't have time to get there. And uh, just take something. You want to do something for somebody? Brother Randy's legs tore up. He can't do it. It's a simple job. Just take one tarp down. Get another one from Walmart. The church can buy that. Probably $14, $15 and just tie it off with some wire on to the back of this kennel and get the other one down. If you'd like to do that, Brother Randy. Okay, they've already bought the tarp. They just not be able to get the old one down. So, oh, oh, got the old one down, can't get the new one up. Well, so anyway, a couple guys just say, okay, Lord, I want to be a doer of your word. I can do that. I can take 20 minutes, 30 minutes to do that. See me afterwards, and I'll tell you where they live. And uh, this live right over here off Home Park. Something we can do as you have opportunity to do opportunity to do good unto all men, do good.